Hey guys, this is Brian. This is Jim. And we are going to bring you an episode right now that's going to have some explicit content. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's going to have some four-letter words, probably some serious topics. Yes. Some adult-themed Adult topics. topics. Yes. Yeah. Things that, like, your grandma. Or children. Or your priest. They probably shouldn't listen to this. Maybe even your spouse. It's possible. <laughs> <laughs> we just wanted to warn you guys up front that those things are going to be in this episode. So yeah. if you have any of those other people that we listed around, just kind of, you know, tell them to go yeah. away. Hey, just push yeah, them out of the car. Yeah, get them out. <laughs> dude, 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 Hi guys, welcome to the Dude What Movie Review Podcast. Dude What? I am one half of the hosting squad, a very hungover <laughs> Jim Miller. <laughs> Sitting across from me is the beautifully bodacious bearded bald man, Mr. Brian Sumner. Say hi, Brian. That's a lot of bees. Hi, Brian. <laughs> We're coming to you from the 2420 West Studios in Evansville, Indiana. This week known as Satan's Butt Crack. It's hot! Damn hot! Real hot! Ugh. Ugh. I'm just glad uh, the air conditioner's working in my office. Stinky. So, yeah. Yeah. I bet people are like listening, like, like what is going They're on? They're like, what here? is going on? Yeah. <laughs> this is the uh, long-awaited Turn the Tables episode. Yay! Got I had that. to go back and listen to our other shows to remember how you do your cadence, because you're so good at it. I was like, man. But yeah, so we've got an epic episode in store for you, where we review a movie that Brian hasn't seen, but should have seen. But first, Brian, how are you? I'm great. I'm really good. I'm fantastic. I'm wonderful. I'm amazing. Yeah, you look it. <laughs> Usually whenever I ask you, I like question it. I'm like, I kind of put you in a space where you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for you to do that to me. It's like, really? Are you? <laughs> oh, I don't believe you. I, I'm used to you saying that. I'm, wait, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like, <laughs> I'm actually good right now. Yeah. I'm actually fine. Yeah. Everything's going well. Uh, my daughter came back from Florida. She went to Florida with her mom this oh, past nice. week and she got back a couple of days ago and we all went out to dinner last night. It was nice. It was pleasant. Nice. Was good. Well, good. Yeah. Is she all tanned up? She doesn't tan. Yeah. <laughs> she just gets red. Red. Yeah. <laughs> I think if she spent more time outside, she would probably get a tan eventually. But yeah. for the most part, no, she just gets red. Gotcha. Okay. But she had fun? She, she had did have fun. Yeah. Good. good, good. Hanging out on the beach, crocheting, took a bunch of yarn with her. She's heavily into crocheting now. It's, I mean, it's crazy. Hanging out on the beach and crocheting. Hey, it, it's hey. an interesting combo. Hey, it worked for her. She yeah. loved it. I mean, I usually, well, before kids, would go and read a book. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just, kind of my speed. Just but, hang out. But yeah. So how are you doing, man? <laughs> Hung over. Uh, <laughs> Hung over? Yeah. Good uh, Lord. I know, right? Busy night for you, huh? Uh, yeah. It was a good Friday night. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. My week's been chock full of fun stuff, man. Yeah? <laughs> Kylie and the kids just up and left. Uh, <laughs> Your family <laughs> left you? Last week, Yeah. Drove them to the airport. Well, they didn't leave. Yeah. You no. got rid of them. Yeah. Well, <laughs> don't try and spin the narrative. <laughs> no, they, they uh, you know, they had an offer by a family friend to go to the Myrtle Beach. And yeah, Nora has been talking about wanting to fly on an airplane. And Kylie was just wanting some vitamin C. We could all use S-E-A. a little vitamin C. Yeah. <laughs> vitamin S-E-A. Vitamin yeah. C. 
So you've been bachelor, <clears throat> bachelor for a whole freaking week, man. Nice. And Kylie and I had actually talked about that, that. I think this is the first time in our ten years of marriage that we've been away from each other for a whole week. So. Really? Yeah. So it's um, what does that mean, Jim? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> But it's been good, man. I've been, you know, keeping myself busy with hanging out with people, uh, cleaning the house. I, I told told my wife that uh, the house is probably going to be the cleanest it's been since we moved into it, right? For like a, for a whole week. So well, yeah, it's kind of hard to keep a house completely clean whenever you have three aliens yeah, running around. Well, I, I mean, yeah, we've cleaned up and then turned around and it's dirty again, it's, right? Yeah, so it's been kind of nice though. Been trying to catch up on uh, some TV shows and. Watching movies and all cool. kinds of stuff. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, moving right along, we normally review a movie that Brian hasn't seen, but today we're going to review a movie that I haven't seen. <laughs> That's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm excited. I'm excited, I'm too, excited. because I have no clue about I'm it. I'm excited. Yeah. Like I said earlier, I think it was will be an epic episode. Now, will be epically good <laughs> or an epic failure. That's yet to be, <laughs> to be seen. Before we get into that, yeah. right now, we're going to talk about some stuff that we've recently seen. So let's get into some movie talk. Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here? I just want to watch my movie. I just want to watch the movies. Mm-hmm. You know, I saw Gladiator on Amazon Prime, and I was like, man, I want to watch that. I need to see it again. <laughs> so, Brian. Yeah. It's my turn to ask the question. Yeah, it is. This is interesting, huh? <laughs> Have you seen any good movies lately? You know, Jim, I think I have seen some good movies lately. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I've seen some movies. I think I've seen some good movies. (laughs) Okay. All right. (laughs) One in particular, it's been a little bit since we've seen this one. It was one of those that, I mean, we've all been there. You get on Netflix, and you're just kind of scrolling around, and you're just looking for something different, and nothing really jumps out at you, and then you just end up settling on something that kind of remotely seems okay. Like you watch the trailer. It's like, well, that looks like that might be a little bit funny. One night a while back, my bride and I, we were on the couch, that same scenario. And we settled on a movie called fun mom dinner. That's the name of the movie. That's what it's called. It's called fun mom dinner. Okay. It's a 2017 American comedy. The one name that might stick out particularly, Tony Collette is in it. And I think she's kind of the the main character of the film, but it's really an ensemble kind of storytelling. You have like four different moms with different backgrounds, living completely different lives from the other ones, right? But they all have the same connection that all their kids go to the same school. And so they're always interacting. Like one of the moms, she's like the crossing guard lady or whatever that has the cars come in and check them in. She's like really kind of militant about it. Hey, you can't park here, you know, stuff like that. But uh, it's also got Molly Shannon in it. Okay. It's one of those movies where it really kind of puts a spotlight on, like, the middle-aged mom and where their life is at and how, you know, you make a decision early on in your life you to have kids and li- to live this life, and then you get well into that, and then you start you start dealing with, like, how you look and, like, your career and questions about that and, like, do you want to keep being a mom? Do you want to keep living this life? The daily grind and all that stuff, and... It was just a funny way to look at that life, okay. you know, and these the the different individual aspects of these women, and they all decide to get together to go out to a mom dinner, and it was a way for them uh-huh. to get out of the house, 
get away from their families for a night, get away from their kids for a night, put that responsibility on the husbands, let them deal with it, right? Yeah. And uh, you just get to see how these women interact, and a couple of them hate each other. (laughs) So it's like, how are they even together? But then... Over the course of this evening, where all this crazy, silly shit happens <laughs> along yeah. the way, it just has like really funny beats, really funny moments, really funny jokes along the way. And it's just, it's not so overly stupid with the execution of the story. Like, with, like it doesn't rely completely on silly gags. You okay. know what I mean? Okay. Like, it actually has some teeth to the, I won't say drama, but just, like, the more serious aspects, the more serious tones of the story, where they, like, really start talking about these individual females' lives and what, what they do and what they have to go through. And then they all have an understanding of each other and, and, and to see how they all come together on this one crazy night where everything is just kind of going weird. <laughs> so is it just a straight comedy? I would say if you give it a ratio, it's probably more like a 60-40-70-30 with comedy being the the higher number okay but the other aspects of it making entertaining it doesn't swing so far this way into the silliness to where it's a an impossible task to come back for the dramatic aspects gotcha okay it, you know it has a nice little dancing of the line between the two okay just funny yeah you know it has some funny stuff and then you, you get to see these like especially the molly shannon character because you you see where I don't want to spoil it in case you watch it because I, I think you should watch it. I mean, it's it's a fun movie. Yeah. But you get to see her character. She's kind of crazy out there, but then you see why she's like that, and it all makes sense. Like yeah, you can understand these characters why they feel the way they feel and why they act the way they act. Like it was written in a way to where it was believable. Okay. So I was like, okay. That's interesting. That's nice. It was it was a nice movie to watch, and it did. It had some really funny moments in it, so it was pretty cool. Yeah. So fun it's mom. Fun dinner? mom dinner. Yeah. It's, it's a, a weird, weird title. Weird title, but that I mean, would be one that we probably just scroll by. You're yeah, right. Yeah. Right, so. You see it on the Netflix things. You just kind of like I don't know about that. But if huh. you watch the trailer and give it a chance, it's actually a pretty decent movie. I'm sorry, I didn't want to come alone. My life revolves around kids. I just wanted a night needed. Oh. What should we talk about, Kate? What can I say? I'm mommed out. Melanie, I'm sorry. I know you don't like me. My problem with you is that you walk around like you're too good. You took my phone yesterday. You were texting and driving. I was buying milk. A mother can never run out of milk. You know, order me a scotch. Three fingers, one cube. So what about you, Jim? Have you seen any movies, good movies, bad movies, (laughs) all the above? (laughs) I have, yes. I have quite a few on my little list over here, but I actually, I'm going to talk about one I watched last night. Oh, yeah? I say last night, it was like as soon as I got home from work, I was like, you know what? I'm going to watch a movie. Still daylight out. It's a movie that just came out on Netflix. Yeah? Called The Gray Man. The Gray Man? What the hell is that? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what that is. <laughs> I think it just dropped Friday night. It's got Ryan Gosling in it, Chris Evans, uh, directed by the Russo brothers. Okay, all right. Well, not knowing anything about it, you've got me so far. <laughs> Billy Bob Thornton's Okay, in it. okay, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the premise, more or less, is Ryan Gosling plays a character that was hired by Billy Bob Thornton to work for the CIA, and it was a special division called the Sierra Project. Again, not knowing anything about it, you've got me yeah. so far. I'm, so I'm, I'm good. Chris but, Evans yeah. plays the villain. Oh, I saw... Okay, 
And he's got and I saw the trailer for this, yes. but I don't remember. I only saw it one time, and he, yeah, okay, keep going. And it is so much the antithesis of Captain America, which I've noticed in his career, he's making a concerted effort to do which that, which is good. That's great. It's good. It's great as an because you do get typecast, right? Right. You you know, and, and it's good to break that out, and he did it very well. The character dynamic between Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans, the dialogue between it, there's like these little quips and stuff back and forth. Seeing Ryan Gosling as like this action superstar was a little weird for me at first in my head. Okay. Like, is this going to, because I, when I saw the trailer, I was like, this looks like it could be good, but I'm kind of like, eh. But I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to watch it. And I'm glad I did. Well, I know there's a couple other movies that Ryan Gosling has been in where he is that action guy. And I haven't seen those yet. But I've heard great things about him. Yeah. Uh, I think one's called like Driver. Driver. Yeah. Like I heard he is fantastic in that. And there's like another one. It's like something beyond, like beyond the pines or beyond the trees or something like that. I don't know. It's another kind of like gritty kind of action movie or whatever. Yeah. Apparently, he can do everything. Yeah. yeah. He. Uh, yeah. We know he can do makes- comedy. <laughs> we know he can do comedy. We know he can do dramatic. And apparently he can do action now. Yeah, and, so. he, and the comedic timing between him and Chris Evans, because there is some, some. I mean, they're little subtle Jabs. comedic things. Right. Just everything worked for it, man. It nice. was just really, really good. And what's um, this on? This is on Netflix. Okay. It, it's a Netflix original. It just dropped. I got to add it to um, the list. Yeah, The Gray Man. Because, you know, I was seeing a lot of on advertisements and stuff like on Facebook. And, right. And things like that. And it's a good action flick. I will say... There's a lot of action movies that, you know, become very unbelievable. Okay, yeah, yeah. There's maybe one little piece that was kind of that way. That you have to suspend the disbelief. But because of the, the way the action was heightened, like this this whole sequence, yeah. which is could be believable, right? there was like no other way to end it than the way that they did. Okay. But it was a good beat for the way it rounded out that sequence. You'll know it when you see it. I'll just say all it's really good. I'm trying not to spoil too much or right. say, say too much. And that's all I'm going to say about it. But it's uh, it's worth watching for sure. Nice. What do you know about the Sierra program? Reckless mystery man you guys send in when you can't officially send anyone else. The gray man. They got an urgent locate and destroy. That could be fun. The man's got some street cred. So, Brian. Yeah. You got anything else over there you want to talk about? I got a few. What do you want to hear? You want to hear good or not good? <laughs> Whichever your little heart desires, man. <laughs> well, I'm going to talk about one that I wasn't blown away by. And it was one of those, like, they did a really great job of making the trailer look like it would be a decent movie. Okay. Uh, it's a movie called Spencer Confidential. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Mark Wahlberg, Winston Duke. Yes. Yes, yeah. I've seen this. Yeah, yeah, you have seen this. Yes, I have. Okay. Well, here's the deal, man. <laughs> All right. I have it pulled up right now on IMDb, and I'm just looking at it, and it's like, it's got a great cast. Yeah, no, it you know, really That's does. the crazy thing about yeah, it. It really does. All right, Mark Wahlberg, Winston Duke, Eliza Schlesinger, Alan Arkin, Bakeem Woodbine. Mark Maron's got a small role in it. Yep. Even Post Malone's got a small yeah. role in yep. it. Michael Gaston. I mean, these are all like names, you know? The trailer makes it look The trailer good. looks like it's going to be fantastic. Yeah. I think they spent too much time trying to make it too quirky to actually make it a decent movie. Yeah. 
it was just so out there, like mm-hmm. with some of the the dialogue. It was almost like they were trying to make it a comedy, like a comedy action, like right. a buddy buddy action. When right. they should have just made it a straight up drama. Yeah, is what they should have done. Just made it intense, you know, yeah. made it gritty with the subject matter of it. Right, but they didn't. Yeah, <laughs> they they yeah. put a, a comedic tone over top of it that just tanked the movie. It just it made it like unbearable to watch you know and that was a netflix original as well wasn't it it was okay it kind of reminded me of underground six which i don't know if i, I feel yes like we talked, about, we talked about that a long time ago where yes it's like it didn't fully know what it wanted to be right and i hate that man. It, 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 it's one of those that like you you can see the vision they were going for but somewhere along but the way, they, the writing just did they, not it, do any favors for it. Yeah, it derailed somewhere. Yeah. And this is the same exact example of a film like that. And <laughs> I hate to say it. Actually, I don't hate to say it. I don't, I don't care to say it. It turned out to be just another Mark Wahlberg film. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And everyone listening that's ever seen a Mark Wahlberg film knows you what know you mean. You know what, a, like, yeah. there's only been, like, a handful of movies that Mark Wahlberg has been in that's a Mark Wahlberg movie that have turned out to be good. Right. Instant Family was one of those films that, you know, it it went against what Mark Wahlberg usually does whenever he does a Mark Wahlberg movie. Yes. It it was actually an enjoyable film. Well, and the thing that surprised me about the Spencer Confidential was that Mark Wahlberg, he can do action. He can do a lot of stuff, but I think the writing that he gets saddled with a lot of times on some of these projects doesn't do him any favors. Right. And, And again, it's one of those things where it's like, Right to the strength of the actor that is portraying the character. Yes. I'm thinking of the movie Shooter. When he uh, Shooter was one that he was in. I'll um, be honest with you. I've only seen parts of that, but what I've seen of it, it's the same damn thing. Well, I I mean, to me, it was a, it was a decent movie. Okay. Like, well, there, there are aspects of it that I've watched. I'm like, I, I don't know about have this. Have no interest. Yeah. yeah. But um, in fairness, I haven't seen it in totality. I haven't watched it from beginning to end. I've only yeah. seen parts of it. <laughs> I don't want to even draw the comparison. So, okay. Go for it. Shooter is somewhat like by saying it is just you're never gonna watch it if I say this. <laughs> it's almost similar to how's that? I was gonna say like Commando, but it's not. The beginning part is reminiscent of Commando. I'll just say that. Let off some steam. Hey, what I said to you? But the rest of it is not like Commando at all. Yeah, I'll probably never watch it. Yeah, I know. I know. I was, it, but anyway, Spencer yeah. Confidential, man. It's just, I had high hopes for it, especially with the cast that's in it. Yeah. But then you watch and you're like, what a freaking letdown. It's just not great. It's time you tell me what's really going on here. Picture this. 30 cops, drug cartels, some big politicians all working together. When I was a cop, I was trying to take these guys down. But they framed me. So what's the plan? We're going to blow this wide open. You want in? No, 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 no. You don't get the cold gun. Hawk is the name of a man with a shotgun. Spencer does your taxes. That was good. I'm going to let you have your little gun. All right, Jim, save me. (laughs) Save this segment. You got any other great movies that you have uh, in your bag over there that you can help turn this around? I do have one. Yeah. I don't know how you're going to feel about it. I really like it. Yeah. It's actually a sequel. I think it was better than the first one. Really? And it's got like a freaking all-star cast, dude. It's got Matthew McConaughey. Okay. Reese Witherspoon. Okay. Scarlett Johansson. Keep going, keep going. Taron Egerton, Nick Kroll, Nick Offerman. Jesus. What is this movie? It's really, really freaking good. It's got Bono in it. What is the movie? <laughs> it's called Sing 2. 
Oh. <laughs> well, you had me there for a minute. I know. And then, I know. Then you mentioned what it was. Yeah. And, uh, so animated, obviously. Did you watch this by yourself? Mm, no. <laughs> you were hesitant. I don't believe you. No, actually, Hylian and I took the girls to see it when okay. it came out in theaters. Right. It was really good. It was definitely a good one to watch in theaters. I have no concept of sing or sing to. Okay, I so don't. basically, Matthew McConaughey plays the lead. He's a koala bear. And. Um, <laughs> <laughs> of course he is. Uh, and he's a small town wannabe producer, director of like stage productions and stuff like that. Okay. okay. Yeah. The first one is about him getting this group together and they're going to, you know, this local theater thing and these characters come in. They're all quirky. They're all from different types of animals and stuff like that. But the second one is they have kind of made it big, like on their local level, okay. or on a regional level. Yeah, yeah. And they have this big producer from California had sent a scout to come see their, their production. Oh. I, I said California. I think it's actually in Vegas now that I think about it. But to and, see like if they could yeah. be the next the big next, thing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when Matthew McConaughey's character feels threatened and he hires a hitman to take them all out. God damn, this is getting good. No, but there is some hitman-esque-ness in this. But uh Go on. <laughs> <laughs> so him and the group, they decided to go out there to audition, even though they weren't invited. Because more or less, the, the person was like, no, right. this is, what you're doing is great on the local level, but you'll never make it in the big leagues kind right. of thing. And so it's their adventure of going out there. And they stumble into an audition, basically. Yeah. It's hilarious and how they get to that point. But then they actually get hired to do this. And so they're, they're, they don't know what the heck they're doing. You're so excited about talking about this. I can see it on your face. I know. They right don't know then. what the heck they're doing. Right. And, it's just uh, so funny how warped your brain has become to animated films because of your, your children. I will just say this, okay? <laughs> no, it's because the way the movie plays out, okay, and this is why it was so great in theaters. Right. Okay? You know, you see them working to do this big production. Right. And then the production, once it finally is being shown, you feel like you're in it. Okay. Okay? And so with each scene that they've been working on, and the music's great. The choreography's great. You know, it's got Bono in it. He actually, his character, his character actually is really good. He plays a big star musician who kind of went into, to become a recluse for like 15 years kind of thing. That's, and so okay. coming back, coming wow. back into the thing. So it, it was, it was really good. I had music's great. Like I said, we love listening to the soundtrack and <laughs> the acting's good. I've made a point to talk about Scarlett Johansson, actually. Yeah. She plays a porcupine. Who is a rock star? And there is a scene in it, the dialogue that she has. Basically, she she's playing this venue, and the guy goes to pay her, and she like basically asks him about like, whoa, 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 you know, you need to be paying me more yeah. than, or whatever. And they're like, no, you, this is what I'm giving. Like, so there's this dialogue there, which obviously. I'll just put it this way. It's very evident that it is a complete middle finger to Disney. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> because of the whole stuff that was going on with Black Widow. Oh. So, the, But it was just funny. And like, it was one of those, like, it didn't hit me at first. And I go, wait, that's Scarlett Johansson's character. This genius. Like, it's one of those, like, you would never know it, as a, especially because it's an animated right. film and stuff. But Wait a minute, who, who, was, who played that role again? Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, it only makes sense that we get one of those in there. Right. Well, I thought you were going to say that like she held the guy up and like kicked the crap out of him, and then he handed the money over, and then at the end she was like, "Thank you for your cooperation." <laughs> Guys, this is the entertainment capital of the world. I'll give you three weeks to get this show up and running. You have no idea what you're getting into. 
whatever podunk town they crawled out of, that's where they belong. I got you. We cannot let that bully steal our hopes and dreams. Guts. Faith. These are the things you need now. All right, Brian. Yeah, man. You know, some good movie talk there. Mm-hmm. Now, we come to the part of the show <laughs> where we review a movie. Yeah. That you haven't seen, but now, since we're turning the tables, mm-hmm. it's a movie I haven't seen. A movie you've never seen, but probably definitely should have seen. Definitely should have seen. And usually, you know, there's categories, but right. at the last episode, um, I told you that... No category. No category. I, I kind of left it very vague. Very vague. And you know what? I'm happy about that because, you know, you, you gave like a few little hints, just little. Like yeah. you said something like we've talked about it before and, you know, you said it's probably going to be a big one. I, I, I've i racked my brain <laughs> and I don't know what it could I, be. I, I, I really don't know. I didn't too much because yeah. I'll just say it is a movie that has been discussed on pretty much every season from even back in the Homer's days. Wow. So uh, it, it has been wow. It's been one that has been discussed. Okay, and I, um, I, I have no idea. Yeah, so I have no idea. I know you're going to like this one. So uh, okay, I guess I need to just go ahead and ask you the question then, huh, Jim? Yeah, Jim, what's in the box? Oh, what's in the box? I never get to ask the how, question. How did that feel coming out of your mouth there? Weird, weird. I'm not going to lie. All right, I got the box here. I'm nervous. <laughs> I am. This is like I know until under- you've done this, you don't have any idea what it feels like. You know, no like no one has any idea what this feels like. Those who listen to the show, they listen and like, oh, okay, what's in the box or whatever, and they have maybe an idea. But until you're actually sitting here and holding the box, it's like, what the hell could it be? Well, you have no clue. And you're always laughing usually yeah. beforehand. Oh, I'm I'm giggling. I'm feeling that emotion right now. Are you <laughs> Warning. This is the point of the show where my opinions of Jim Miller have now and will forever be altered with no hopes of ever returning to normal. As per warnings in the past, strong language and downright hatred and rage are to come in the next few minutes. Any persons that are not of age or who are sensitive to the sounds of a vulgar tongue should definitely step away from the podcast. You've been warned. All right, here we go. Green streamers. Green paper. Covered it up. You've got, you've got to be, you've got to be fucking kidding me. You have got to be kidding me. There's no fucking what? No, there's no fucking way. Are you fucking kidding me? No, I'm not. Are you kidding me right now? <laughs> No way! Yeah. And oh my god! Oh my the, god! <laughs> do you want to? you want to tell the listeners what movie it is? I gotta hold on. Let me double check. I closed the box out of sheer shock. You've never seen the fucking Big Lebowski? That is correct. It's the number one spot on our show, Jim. <laughs> I know. I it's know. a five on our show. I, it's. I. <laughs> <laughs> it's hanging on the wall outside the studio. Yeah. You've never seen the Big Lebowski. So here's the story. 
Oh, this should be fantastic, man. <laughs> I mean, I told you it would be a big one. Oh, my God. <laughs> big, big one. Big, so big one. Okay, originally... I, got, I got it now. I should have known. I should have known. Your dumbass no, puns. Even, no, I didn't mean no, it by a pun. Uh-huh, no, I didn't yeah, mean it by a uh-huh. pun. But by the simple fact that it's, it's, our show has been formed around it, right? So early on, when we were talking about the rankings, and you were talking about the Big Lebowski, I'm like, yeah, because it was one of those that I thought, yeah, I've seen that, or I know what you're talking about. I can't. <laughs> I can't even right now. <laughs> Go on, continue. Um, bullshit story. It wasn't until about two years in that I realized... Oh, wow. I vaguely remember bits of it because it was on in the background of a party that I was at. I think in my head, I formed that I had seen it because of, one, doing the show, seeing the scenes, all of that. You want to know what the point when I realized I hadn't seen the movie was? <sighs> When, Jim, when? When one day I was getting coffee here, and you gave me the Nobody Fucks With Jesus coffee mug. You said it, man. And you had no clue. And that's when I realized, like, I've never seen this movie. (laughs) (sighs) Wow. I am in... I am in utter disbelief right now. I don't even know what to say. I don't even know what to say right now. Like, at all. I've been living a lie, Brian. <laughs> you, yes, you have. And you should be fucking ashamed of yourself. This is... Wow. 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 I have comments. I have thoughts that I'll share on the back half. I... I... Yeah. So, I guess this is the part where I tell you as a listener, if for some reason... You've never seen The Big Lebowski. Everyone's seen The Everyone's Fucking seen Big, Lebowski. Big Lebowski. If you're, if you're a fan of the show, you've seen The Big Lebowski, apparently. I have not. So, mm. you can click on that little link in the show notes if you want. Uh, take you to Amazon, and you can order yourself a copy, and maybe possibly support the show while you're doing that, if you don't own it already. <sighs> Everyone owns it. I have, I have a copy right here. I know you look, do. Look, That's here, why I got this one from look, the library. So look, right here. <laughs> I figured we can watch your copy. I got my copy here. <laughs> that I've that I've had for like twenty fucking years. I've had the, unbelievable, unbelievable. Just, so I'm getting ready to mark this off of my list. It's even over here on the hundred must see cult movies. It's the first one, right, the very first one, the very first one. I marked it off because what idiot hasn't seen the Big Lebowski? Oh, Jim Miller sitting across my co-host. This is ridiculous. This is re- why are we? Why are we? Why do we do this? Why did? Why did I subject myself to this? This is ridiculous. This makes up for all the fucking movies that I have never seen that I should have already I, seen. You know, this one right here, Big Lebowski. This turn- makes up for every single movie that I have ever put in the box. <laughs> Casablanca, Outsiders, Book of Eli, all of them. Yep. This is ridiculous. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. We're gonna go watch the movie. Uh, obviously, spoilers are ahead. Yeah. If I don't kill you. Uh- <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, so let's go watch the Big Lebowski, man. <laughs> I don't know how to wrap that up, so <laughs> I'm gonna wrap you up. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the fucking money, shithead? Oh, it's uh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. Oh! Woo! <laughs> I'm slamming him tonight. You guys are dead in the water. All right, way to go, Donnie. I like your style, dude. Oh, well, 
I dig your style too, man. That whole cowboy thing going. Oh, fuck yeah. Relax, man. I'm a brother Seamus. Brother Seamus? Like an Irish monk? What the fuck are you talking? See what happens, Lebowski? You see what happens? Nobody calls me Lebowski. You got the wrong guy. I'm the dude, man. Walker, he peed on my rug. He peed on the dude's rug. Donnie, you're out of your element. Dude, the Chinaman is not the my issue point here. Is are you ready to be fucked, man? I see you roll your way into the semis. Dios mio, man. Liam and me, we're gonna fuck you up. Did I urinate on your rug? You mean, did you personally come and pee on my rug? Hello. Do you speak English, sir? Parla usted inglés? I'll ask you again. Did I urinate on your rug? No, like I said, woo, but peed on my rug. Well, the In-N-Out burger's on camera. Near the In-N-Out burger. Those are good burgers, Walter. Shut the fuck up, Donnie. Well, I do work, sir. So if you don't mind... No, I do mind. Uh, the dude minds. This will not stand, you know? This aggression will not stand, man. I mean, your wife owes me... My wife! Not the party. Because the whole world gone crazy! Am I the only one around here who gives a shit about the rules? Mark at zero! Now, so far, we have what appears to me to be a series of victimless crimes. What about the toe? Forget about the fucking toe! It's like He's... Lennon said. You look for the person who will benefit and, uh, uh, you know... I am the walrus. Uh, you know, you'll, uh, uh... You know what I'm trying to say? I am the walrus. That's uh, fucking bitch. Oh, yeah. I am the walrus. That's ex Shut the fuck up, Donnie. The Take it easy, dude. Oh, yeah. I know that you will. Yeah, well, the dude abides. <laughs> and we are back, Jim. We are. From the bowling alley. <laughs> gutters and strikes, baby. Gutters and strikes. Gutters and strikes. A lot of ins, a lot of outs, a lot of ups and downs, a lot of what have you. It's funny sitting in studio with you watching this film that you've never seen. I, I Look, before we get into this, <laughs> I cannot express how disappointed in you I am. Yeah. For those of you guys that don't have the privilege of being in the studio when we record, you know, we finished the first half and I laid into Jim. <laughs> All the way from the studio to the house where we used the restroom and got snacks and refreshments back to the studio. It was relentless. Well, I was laughing because you were genuinely angry. Yes. Like your whole demeanor changed. I've yes. Been, I mean, I've known you long enough to know like like when you were, you know, in a moment or right. like or something and you were definitely like just... You were, you were giving me the silent treatment here's the thing. for the most part, but it was one of those I could tell. You were just like, I, Jim, here's <laughs> beside the thing. yourself. <laughs> I, I was so excited when we left off on Pretty in Pink because I had no idea that it would be this movie. <laughs> it could have literally been any other movie in the world, but this one? Right. So I'm glad we were able to write this wrong today. I'm glad we we're able to mark this off your list today because yes. in my eyes, in my opinion, this is a big one. This is a must. And we're going to get into how you feel about that here in a minute. Okay. Yeah. I got a ton of notes. I got a ton of fun facts written down about this film. I have a lot of opinions. Obviously I've seen this film. I can't even begin to count how many times I've seen this movie. <laughs> so this is going to be a lot of fun. We're going to dive into it right now. Uh, we'll probably cover my fun facts along the way. Okay. I'll just go ahead and say it right now. 
we'll probably link to some sites that have fun facts about the Big Lebowski. Okay. There's yeah. no way in hell I could do it justice. I'm not even going to try and do it justice. Yeah. It's just not possible. There's so much that goes into this film from a behind the scenes standpoint and the long-term effects of the film going forward from a cult classic standpoint. So I'm not even going to try and cover all that. We're just going to have a conversation and whatever pops up, pops up. Okay. So first off, I want to ask you a hard hitting question. (laughs) Jim Miller. Yeah. Are you a good bowler? Hmm. (laughs) Define good. (laughs) Do you hit people with bowling balls when you go bowling? I'm not that bad. I don't uh, cross the line like Smokey. Right. Over the line! (laughs) What'd you think of that scene, by the way? I got to admit, you know, you were chuckling quite a bit, especially I, whenever that happened. You're like, what is happening here? I will say, that, you know, I have to say this. I'm going to go ahead and say it now. This movie, after seeing it now, it really ties our podcast together. Donnie, please. Oh, my God. <laughs> it, it, what is it? it can, really, can we go on this turn the tables without you making one dumb pun? No, it's – but it – there were so many things that I'm chuckling at because I'm going, okay, now I have the context for it. And right. actually, I didn't write very many notes down. That's good. Um, well, I don't know. I don't know if it's good or bad. Usually whenever <laughs> it's me not writing a bunch of notes down, but it's either it could be really good or really bad. So Kind of the uh, the dialogue with, when, Donnie, you're out of your element. Yeah. That whole <laughs> tirade. When he <laughs> he basically says, you know, talking about there's no frame of reference. Right. And I was like, that's me. Like, I'm Donnie, like, in that moment. When it comes to this movie, because obviously running social media, yeah, you know, doing video, stuff like that, I have come across all kinds of stuff in reference to The Big Lebowski, because it's a cult classic, it's yes. pop culture, it has a lot to do with our show from day one. Of course. It's in the rankings. Yes. Um, and realizing I've never actually seen this movie, especially as we started watching, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> the only thing that I remember and I recall was when, and this is when I was partying back up when I lived up in Indy. I was a drinker, but most people around me were potheads. Right. And I remember it being on or seeing a scene, like a portion of a scene of a dream sequence. Okay. For whatever reason, I related this movie with drug use. Okay. And so, like, I never had the desire to go back and watch it. That's not an unfair thing to put on it if you don't know anything about the movie. And when I say refer like in drug use, I mean one of those that hey you you know, you have to watch it when you're high type thing. Right. Or something. Well speaking of the dream sequences and the, the, <laughs> the big production stuff, let's go ahead and start right there then. Okay, there are several sequences throughout the film that take you kind of to this like alternate reality kind of vibe. And it's basically what's going on in Jeff's head. Jeff Lebowski, the dude. Yeah. So the first one, I believe, that we really kind of get into is when Maud and her henchmen, so to speak, come back to take her rug back. Right. And they knock him out, and he's, boom, immediately into a dream sequence. I couldn't get a gauge on how you felt about that, but at that point in the film, what were you thinking? Like, were you, were you just like, what the hell is this? Or what were your thoughts it about made, that? It, to me, it made more sense because it was very evident he was knocked out. Right. So that transition, that one made sense. Okay. Didn't know how it was relevant to the movie. And I felt that way probably up through about halfway. And then realizing that it is definitely a storytelling element of transitioning into different scenes. Yep. And I don't know. It's just a whole... There, it's... They were, 
I got a lot to say about this movie. <laughs> I'll just say that. But yeah, I think I came to appreciate it. Like I understood okay. what they were doing with it. You yeah. felt like it fit with the movie. Yes. And the tone. And it being a Coen Brothers production. Did that play into it for you? Did that help? Like you're like, okay, I'm I'm getting this now. I'm I'm picking up on this. Now. I think I think somewhere in the deep recesses of my brain, I knew this was Coen Brothers. Right. But like the intro, and I even asked you, it goes, But you asked me Coen right Brothers? at the beginning. I'm like, just watch. Yeah, just but watch. Just because of the the opening shot and yeah. the vibe the feel right you know and it, it was like it felt very coen, coen brothers gotcha. i don't know if this was their first movie but like you know it's obviously a big one that people right. point to so it was definitely not their first they had a, a quite a few movies under their belt by this time this was uh, i believe released in 1998 built as a comedy obviously found out through my research it actually was a box office bomb yeah only made five million opening weekend wow on a 15 million dollar budget Wow. Yeah. So they barely were able to make back their budget. But long term through DVD sales, VHS sales. Yes, VHS, because this was the late 90s and early 2000s. VHS was still it's right there on that cusp. VHS, DVD, streaming, people buying it. It's taken on a whole life of its own. And so they were able long term to make that money back for sure. Yeah. So. You talk about the opening scene, how it has that Cohen feel to it. And you even asked me, is this Cohen Brothers? We get introduced right away to a very familiar voice. Yes. Here in the Big Lebowski. Oh, yeah. Mr. Sam Elliott. Yeah. Friend of the show, Sam Elliott, Friend by the way. The show. Yeah. Very recognizable voice, very powerful voice. I think everyone is a fan of Sam Elliott's voice for sure. He is billed in this movie as the stranger. What did you make of his character? I know after watching the film, he's the narrator. But in the beginning, like because again, I've, I've seen shots and like you know stills and stuff, so I know that he is throughout the movie. But having no bearing whatsoever of really what he's there for. So for me, I was like, I was interested to see what his role was, and especially when he then shows up in the middle. At the bowling alley, in my mind, I'm like, is this a private investigator? Is he doing a job? Like, you know, I had, yeah. I was trying to figure out what is his role in this. So, what is his role? He's a narrator. <laughs> <laughs> He's just telling a story, right? That it's rounded out at the end, like, where you realize the fact that you can take a movie or you can take a story about a normal guy, just a normal guy living his life, mm-hmm. and make it entertaining. That's powerful storytelling. Right. It yeah. all fits because it starts, I'm telling you a story it's about funny. the dude. It's funny that you mentioned that, and you'll see why it's funny that you mentioned that later on whenever we get to some other uh, segments of the show, okay. so to speak. Okay. We'll come back around to that. But okay. I, I'm glad that you mentioned that because that's a very interesting point. And it, it's a point that I think a lot of people miss with regard to watching this film because this film doesn't hit with a lot of people. I could see why. I know from personal experience, I've shown it to certain people thinking that they would enjoy it and they haven't. But seeing that you were able to pick up on the simplicity of that, that's pretty good. I mean, we're we're so used to heroes, you know, not superheroes necessarily, but just heroes heroes in general, right? A perception of a hero. Right. And like, okay, they've got a certain set of skills or whatever. And this is literally just a... 
a bomb, yeah. a pothead, basically. Who... Definitely not your textbook version of a hero. Right. And but he, he's the hero he's just, of this film, of this universe, of this story. He's just living his life. Right. Doing the day-to-day yep. mistaken identity, man. And he gets wrapped into this thing. Yeah. Him and his little friend group. It's just, you know, they're trying to just figure out, right. well, okay, well, how do we get out of this situation kind of thing? But yeah, I mean, it was storytelling, man, was really good. Well, speaking of his friend group, let's talk about that for a second. <laughs> oh, gosh. We'll talk about the friend group and we'll talk about the cast in general. Loaded cast from uh, yes. top to bottom. Yes, it was. A lot of memorable faces, a lot of different people in this film. And we already talked about Sam Elliott, but let's talk about the dude himself. Yeah. Mr. Jeff Bridges. Yeah. The man, the myth, the legend. Love us some Jeff Bridges here on the show. Friend of the show, Jeff Bridges. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of friend of the shows on this right. episode. I think it's fair to say that Jeff is. Yeah, because, you know, he's been with us. He's been with us since the very the beginning. The dude has abided yeah. with us from day one. John Goodman, Steve Buscemi, John Turturro, David Huddleston, Philip Seymour Hoffman, the great Philip Seymour yes, Hoffman. young Philip You were Seymour surprised Hoffman. to see that in the credits at the beginning. I was, and dude... He plays a great character in this. He's very just, simple, straightforward, very much an ass kisser assistant, but just uh, entertaining in his own regard. He's just was such a great actor. He man. really was. He really. He's tremendous. He was great. Flea. <laughs> Flea. Yeah. Julianne Moore. Yeah. Tara Reed. Tara young Reed. Tara Reed. Yeah. Before she got all mixed up in drugs and all kinds of stupid crap. <laughs> right. Just. A wonderful arrangement of talented actors, in my opinion. Top to bottom, the cast is just ridiculous in this. But let's talk about (laughs) Jeff Bridges. Let's talk about the dude. What'd you think of Jeff Lebowski, the dude? I liked his character. Yep. I know that he was the main character, but every scene with John Goodman... (laughs) Definitely steals the scene. Every time. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's almost like the dude... Is a secondary character. In some degrees, yeah. I can see that. I can see that. um, Because I know for me personally, before I watched this film, I always liked John Goodman. Yes. I always thought he was a tremendous actor. Yeah. But I didn't know how good John Goodman was. Yes. Until I saw him in this. And I'm like, holy shit. He, dude. It was funny because there was a point (laughs) when watching, I was like, I feel like these two specifically... They have a dynamic that you and I have. A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> like, as far as delivery and stuff like that, you would definitely fall more under John Goodman. A, little, a Walter. I'm definitely a Walter Sobchak, for sure. From the editing side, I know you know this, that I would definitely <laughs> be more like the dude. <laughs> trying to string stuff <laughs> Well, I, all right, before you go further, it's funny that you mentioned that, because I wrote down a note. I was taking notes. Yeah. For myself, just observations. And I wrote down the limo scene when he's talking <laughs> to the big Lebowski and Brant yeah. about, yes. you know, how... That's, what I, that's where I was like... That whole entire scene, I wrote uh, limo scene equals Jim Miller edit. You know, has it ever occurred to you that uh, instead of, uh, you know, running around uh, uh, blaming me, you know, given the nature of all this new shit, you know, it, it, this could be a, a, a lot more... Uh, 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 complex. I mean, it's not just, it might not be just such a simple, uh, you know? What in God's holy name are you blathering about? Yes. Um, you, I, I was you, thinking that, actually. You, <laughs> you trying to get to your point a lot of times on certain things was Jeff Lebowski <laughs> talking to the big Lebowski and trying to figure out his point in that scene. Yeah. And I could not stop laughing in my head. Yeah. I was right there with you, too, man. Like, <laughs> as I'm watching, I'm like, that is straight up me. 
And there, because there's even things you've said in the past that would sound like something Walter would say. There is that dynamic. But then right. I would say the element of just the way we view life and go through life, then those characters would almost flip with us. A little bit, yeah. A little. You a little I mean? bit. I'm not saying that we are, we would be those characters, but I, I'm just saying... No, like, certain characteristics, so certain personalities, yeah. Of yeah. that, I'm like, holy crap, man. And, <laughs> but they make their dynamic work. Right. And you and I make our dynamic work. Like, right. You know, it's, it's a good yin and yang. Yes. Well, speaking of Jeff Lebowski... Yeah. The dude. The dude. What would you say if I told you that this character was based off of a real person? No. Really? This character, Jeff Lebowski, is actually based off a guy named Jeff Dowd. Are you serious? And it's someone that the Coen brothers knew, and he actually helped them get one of their movies back in 84 produced. He helped them with like funding okay. and stuff behind the scene, production stuff or whatever. And he refers to himself as the dude. And really? so inspiration for the character in The Big Lebowski came from this guy named Jeff Dowd. And funny enough, you heard mention in this film, Jeff Bridges, there's that scene where he's laying in bed yeah. and she's asking him about, you know, yeah, kind of what his pad, what yeah. he's doing. I, um, I was uh, one of the authors of the Port Huron statement, uh, the original Port Huron statement. Uh-huh. Uh, not the compromise second draft. Uh, and then I, uh, you ever hear of the Seattle Seven? Mm. That was me. And then there were six other guys. That's the only uh, glimmer of anything you right. get from him. Well, he yeah. makes mention that he was a part of the Seattle Seven, which you chuckled because he was like, it was me and six other guys. Right. And you're just yeah. like, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, it turns out. There actually was a Seattle 7. It was an anti-war group okay. called the Seattle 7, okay. and Jeff Dowd was one of the members. Interesting. Yeah. So there's a lot of inspiration, like real-life inspiration, that was taken and put into this character. Okay. I've seen interviews, and I've, I've read interviews where Jeff Bridges actually got to spend time with the guy, Jeff Dowd. Okay. And uh, pick up on some of his nuances and things like that. Interesting. So uh, there was a lot of hands-on work and a lot of real-world inspiration that was brought to this character. Okay. And then not to mention the uh, the clothing as well. What would you think about the dude's uh, choices of clothing? Was that really the, the guy's clothing? It sure. wasn't the guy's clothing. But some of the stuff that was in the wardrobe was actually Jeff Bridges. <laughs> oh, really? The jellies that he was wearing, the, yeah, the sandals, yeah. those were Jeff Bridges. No. The uh, the iconic sweater like we have on the cover here, that was Jeff Bridges. Like he, his own wardrobe. His own style. wardrobe. And in fact, whenever John Goodman received his Hollywood star on the Walk of Fame, yeah. Jeff Bridges was the one to induct him. And when he inducted him, he walked out to the podium with a little white bag and he had John Goodman hold it, and he reached in, and he pulled out the sweater and put it on nice. to induct him. And he started off his interview by saying, Walter, I'm John. Well, he's a, a good actor. He's a good man. He's one of us. He loves the outdoors and acting. Um, as a showman... He has explored the stages from Los Angeles to New York. <laughs> so fun facts for you right there. I, I thought a lot of that stuff was really interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. Let's talk about the rest of the casting. Yeah. All right. Were there any characters that you really love from a, like a casting standpoint and then also from a character standpoint? I mean, Steve Buscemi, man, he, 
He's just so good, pretty much in everything he's in. <laughs> right. He's a great character actor, and he had a very small role, I feel like. He had a small role. But it was very role. pivotal. Yeah, he had a small role, but it was also big at the same time, because he does share quite a bit of on-screen time yes. with the other guys. He makes that friend group even more believable. Right. Yeah, he, no, he, that's, that's a good point. He fleshes out those scenes. Yes. And, like, he's, he's there. Sometimes he's speaking. Most of the time he's not. And, <laughs> and it's just... He's a punching bag for Walter, man. But even though he is that punching bag for Walter, you saw there at the end, that final scene with Walter, Donnie is really like, what's going on here? And Walter's very quick to like, no, Donnie, it's okay. We're, we're, we're fine. It's okay. Yeah. Very protective of him. Yeah. I can treat him like crap. You guys cannot. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like a big brother dynamic. Definitely. Yeah. It's one of those, like, I'm going to talk shit to you all the time. Right. <laughs> but I've got, yeah. your, I've got your back. You right. Know? But yeah, his role was great. Philip Seymour Hoffman, man, again, just such a phenomenal actor. Right. And he nailed that character to a T. Yeah, he didn't. I mean, he just played it so well. He could have overdone it, but it was just played to the T. Like, just this really kind of just, I'm the assistant. I want to sing the praises of my boss kind of deal. And I may get sucked into doing all this stuff that I don't want to do, but he is my boss and I'm going to do it. Right. <laughs> just Tara Reed. I believe, if I'm not she mistaken. Did, she needs to go. You can just go ahead and put it on. <laughs> yeah. Just go ahead and play it. <laughs> well, you want? You think it's probably one of these right here? Uh... The introduction of her character. <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever do you mean, Jim? <laughs> Just are you talking uh, about that line? I'll suck your cock for a thousand dollars. Just all of it, just all the, of it, the, the whole, whole build. Yeah, the whole build to it. It was just funny, like because as he's walking up and he sees her in your head, you're like, okay, this is probably his trophy wife. And then just that interaction, and then with the dynamic between her and and Jeff Bridges, and then Philip yeah. Seymour Hoffman, like that whole the, the dialogue. It's Coen Brothers, man. Right. So I mean, the dialogue and the writing is. Freaking phenomenal. Let's talk about the casting of David Huddleston, who played the big Lebowski. Yeah. What'd you think of his performance? It was good, man. It was good. As far as like he encapsulated the ultra wealthy douchebag right. vibe, you know. The hypocrisy was not lost on me. And I actually made a note about the little Lebowski uh, urban achievers. <laughs> yeah. And the reason why is because I've always on six dollar t shirts. They have a shirt that says Little Lebowski Urban Achievers, and I've always seen it. Right. Had no re frame of reference. I was like, oh, it must be in reference to the movie, but I don't right. know what it means. And then so when they were talking about it, I was kind of chuckling to myself, thinking about that shirt. It's like, okay, there's so many things that I have context for now that I never really did. Right. You know, even in our show, like the last five years, man, there are things that the sound clips, just there's so many things. That That's why I jokingly say, you know, it really ties our podcast together, that's but funny. it really does. <laughs> so David Huddleston was not their first choice to play the Big Lebowski. Really? Ben. You want to take a stab at some of the names that were tossed around? Because let me tell you right now, it was a lot and there was a lot of big names. I'm trying to think who would actually play well in that role. John Goodman, he would play well in that role, but he's better as Walter. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll just say this. The big one, the dream casting that they wanted for it, because the Coen brothers would say those lines to each other right. in an imitating voice as this actor. They wanted Marlon Brando. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> but they knew they couldn't get him. Sure. So they actually did try to get Robert Duvall. Okay. I could see that. He passed on it because he didn't really care for the script. Anthony Hopkins, he passed on it because he didn't want to play an American. 
That would have been an interesting choice. Right. And this is the one that I was like, man, this would have been interesting. Gene Hackman. But he was taking a break from films at that time. Interesting. Right. But they had like a second wish list as well. And it had all kinds of people on it. Norman Mailer, George C. Scott, Jerry Falwell, Gore Vidal, Andy Griffith, of all people, <laughs> and uh, Ernest Borgnine. So, I mean, they had quite a few people that were like a wish list of people that they wanted to play the Big Lebowski. Right. But it ended up being on David Huddleston almost last minute. Okay. And okay. it turned out, in my opinion, to be perfect casting. Yeah. No, he was great. He was great. Gosh. Just think about the the scene where Walter's like, I've never been more sure of anything. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which a funny thing about that scene, the Coen brothers are notorious for whatever's written ends up being on screen. Right. There's not a lot of like ad libbing and like changing of the script. Like yeah. they kind of stick to the script kind of thing, right? In that scene, Jeff Bridges, he calls him a human paraquat. Yeah. That was ad libbed. Okay. And that was like one of the few ad-libbed lines that actually stayed in the movie. Okay. And just in reference to the scene, just how it comes out, it's one of the funniest lines in the movie. Right. It's so believable, too. Like, right. It, you know, because you could tell he's like looking for the right vocabulary word. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> so right off the jump with this film, you know, you talked about the opening scene and feeling the vibe of it being a Coen Brothers film. Yeah. And then introducing The Stranger through the voiceover work of Sam Elliott. But let's talk about the music that was introduced in this film. Yeah. There was a tone set from the very, very, very beginning of the film. And it carried throughout the whole entire film. And I, I want to get your thoughts on the soundtrack. Dude, I mean, we talk about soundtrack all the time. Of course. And we obviously are an audio podcast, right? I of mean, course. We have some video, but we do audio. That's one thing I think that it's easy for us to nitpick on, but right. it can make or break a film. And we've talked about that many a times. The soundtrack was good, but what I was most impressed with was the scene where they're getting ready to drop off the bag. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I noticed the music, the tempo and stuff, it changed. It did, it shifted. It was, it was low, like very low, but the way it was introduced into that scene played into the dramatic piece of that, right? right? Into the, the action, like, it crescendoed. The music raised up at the same time that the, the action on, on right. screen was happening. Which the song that was playing during that scene is Creedence Clearwater Revival, and that was Run Through the Jungle. And it has a very low, kind of eerie build at the beginning of that song with a weird kind of guitar. And when you hear that transition from the scene prior to where they're going to make the drop off, yeah, it's pretty trippy. And then the way, like you're saying, how it builds and builds with the music and how it plays right in with the scene. It's very, very well done. Yeah, I would say that that scene definitely stood out to me when it came to the soundtrack. Right. Any other scenes that stood out from a soundtrack standpoint? Well, honestly, I mean, the first one right out of the gate, it set this, it set the tone, like you yep. said, for the movie. But it's telling you what you're about to hear. Right. It's telling you the type of story you're about to watch. The dude is like a tumbleweed. He really is. <laughs> he just kind of floats He's kind about. of blowing in the wind. He's he bounces blow- wherever. That's right. He goes wherever the wind takes him. They're setting the stage right there. Very smart in that regard. Very much so. I mean, that's part of the storytelling element, right? You're, of course. You're layering it yeah. in and, and setting the stage pretty early. The writing, in general, was very smart. The use of music was smart. Right. This is one of those films you can point to with the music side of it and show how it weaves seamlessly right. with the storytelling, which is why the Coen brothers 
are so fucking great. <laughs> I mean, honestly, they're yeah. great storytellers. Which I was um, surprised, honestly, with the amount of big name artists that were on the soundtrack, but with only a $15 million budget. It kind of surprised me because I thought that maybe they would be gouged a little bit. Yeah. I actually have a, I have a really good fun fact about the soundtrack and money because I thought you would get a kick out of this because, you know, we've dealt with this with dealing with Cherry Pop and Daddies with getting, you know, licensing fees paid yeah. to yeah. use Dr. Bones for our show. And so the song Dead Flowers by the Rolling Stones, which played at the end of the movie, yeah. that rolled right into the credits. <laughs> The former Rolling Stones manager, Alan Klein, uh, when negotiating for rights fees for the film, okay. they originally wanted 150 grand for it. Okay? Yeah. But they changed their mind and gave it to him for free to use in the film. Okay. After they heard one line in the movie that made him laugh so hard, and he was like, okay, you can use the song for free in the film. Do you have any idea what line that may be? I would have no clue. Do you remember the line... When he's in the taxi after leaving Malibu. Man, come on. I had a rough night, and I hate the fucking Eagles, man. <laughs> the former manager at the time, he was the manager at the time, he thought that was so funny, that's... and that uh, he gave it to him for free to use in the film. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That is awesome. But, fun fact about that, Jeff Bridges had to hear an earful from Glenn Fry years later when they ran into each other about that line in the film. Which oh. Glenn Fry, guitar player from the Eagles. <laughs> that is hilarious. Really funny. Yeah, no, that is hilarious, man. What did you think about the uh, use of Kenny Rogers, uh, What Condition My Condition Was In, oh. during the dream sequence, <laughs> where it's like a dream slash porn sequence yes. after he gets drugged by Jackie Treehorn? What did you make of that scene? And then part B of that question... How did you feel the music played into that scene? Again, it made sense because it was obvious he had been drugged. So right. going on some sort of trip is kind of my, you know, like that's what it feels like. Okay, you're going on a trip. And, and the way that that whole sequence went for the transition. Because he to, had been talking to Jackie Treehorn, a porn producer. Right. And so seeing all that and then plus seeing <laughs> log jamming earlier right. with Uli and Bunny. And, yeah. And, and the, so there's like this tone that just carried in. And, and well, just even the way that it ended where he's running, you know, like the, the way that that yes. whole scene and that transition of him running and then realizing like, okay, it's back into. Did you understand why Uli and his, his henchmen were dressed up in red chasing him with giant scissors? I would say probably what because weren't they all in red? It, not the, the not album so, that they were yeah, on. Not so much that, but the fact that they said that hey, we're gonna cut off your Johnson. Right. I said we cut off your Johnson. And you know, if you remember, there is a giant portrait in Maud's loft apartment of a giant pair of scissors with a red background. Ah, yes. Okay. See, now this is the thing that I want to point out, and the reason why I'm pointing it out: The Big Lebowski is a great example of a film that you will not pick up on every little nuance the first time watching it. Right. If you watch it two, three, four times, you're going to see so many little things scattered throughout the whole entire film that you're like, oh my God, yeah. I cannot believe I, the I could, genius of this. I could see that. I could definitely see that. <laughs> I want to get your thoughts about the overall story, like the structure and like how the story progressed and what you felt about the actual story itself that was told within this movie. How'd you feel about that? It was entertaining. Again, it was Sam Elliott setting the stage 
as the narrator, you see Lebowski in the, the supermarket, and he's just coming home, man. You're just like, okay. <laughs> and then out of the blue, you know, he's getting the shit beat out of him. And right. in that moment, you're like, okay, well, obviously he owes a debt or something. And then to realize it was a, <laughs> case a misunderstanding. Of, a case of mistaken identity. And so, like, for him, there's he doesn't have much in his life. Right. He's got his friends. He bowls. He likes white Russians. That's it. His one somewhat decent piece of decor <laughs> has been, had been pissed has on. Has been pissed on. Yeah. And then taken. Yep. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it. you begin to see this unraveling almost of like, what the hell, man? Right. Like, I just, you know, I'm living my life. So I came in and pissed on my carpet and then I took it. Like, <laughs> it's just like, it's my rug. It really tied the room together. But yeah. just watching that, it's a very basic story. It, yeah, it really is. It is a and, very and that's what That was the basic point I was getting ready to say. Story. Like, it, the, but the it simplicity is, of the story, I think, is what makes the story so big. This movie, I will say, is a master class in writing. I will agree. Because you're basically taking something so minimal and making the most out of it. If you have any aspirations of being a screenwriter, an author of any kind, right. and you haven't seen The Big Lebowski, you're doing yourself a disservice. I will say that. Because being able to take a very basic concept, and I can't emphasize this enough, he's just a normal guy. Right. <laughs> he is. He really is. This is a story about a normal guy and someone mistaken over something, somebody else. Right. And then the wacky BS that ensues <laughs> from that and how he has to dig his way out of it. But that right there should tell you the sky is really the limit when it comes to storytelling. Absolutely. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Whenever you can take something so simple, so basic, and then just create a whole entire world and a whole entire crazy ass scenario out of it and make it entertaining and make it something that you want to follow along with. The reason why it's so entertaining, the basic story, though, I will say, is the characters, they brought it to life, for sure. Believable. Uh, believable. Yeah. They were believable characters. There was layers upon layers of depth, I think, with each scene. Well, you felt like these are real people. Right. Like, you felt like if you walked into your local bowling alley, you could see those guys sitting oh, there. Oh, definitely. Very believable. And to me, <laughs> I don't know how you feel about it, and I'll get your thoughts on it, but to me, like, the scenario that Jeff Lebowski, the dude, finds himself in is not that far-fetched to, uh, like, beyond reality. No. Like, that could happen. Yeah, somebody broke totally into your apartment, roughed you up. Yeah, and then really... because they thought you were someone else, and yeah. then you get roped into some dude trying to embezzle some money. I mean, that could totally happen. It... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was good, man. The layers of storytelling there, it just, it was good. Cool. Yeah. I have a few fun facts I'd like to go over with you. Okay. And then we'll talk about one other subject that I think you'll appreciate here in a minute. This was actually inducted into the Library of Congress. Can you believe that? Really? 2014, inducted into the Library of Congress. Interesting. Pretty sweet, huh? Yeah. Which, I mean, to me, it makes sense because, like you were just saying, from a, a storytelling and a writing standpoint, top notch. This is like the blueprint, like how to create a story from nothing. You know, I yeah. mean, and just and make it entertaining. The dude, Mr. Jeff Bridges, technically is in every scene in the movie. Really? Yep. Now, that doesn't mean he's on the screen the whole entire time. That just means every scene that transpires, he is technically in every scene. Now, some people would probably question, well, what about the scene whenever Uli and his henchmen are eating pancakes in the pancake house? 
the van that Walter is driving whenever he picks up the dude cruises by in the window and in the background. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> now that diner, I, and I said it when we were watching it, I was like, that's been in other movies. I didn't find anything on that. Really? Uh, like I said, there's a ton of fun facts about this film. There are plenty of those. I didn't search for that, but I guarantee you, if you go onto a Big Lebowski wiki, you probably find a ton about that. Right. I mean, it would only make sense that they'd be in a lot of movies anyway, because it's L.A. But right. I know that I've seen, you know, I want to say Reservoir Dogs even, but... It may uh, have been. Maybe, maybe not. There's a few, like, I, I can, I feel like I've seen that in other films. So. Right. Let's talk about a couple of locations in the film real quick. Let's talk about the mansion, the Big Lebowski's mansion. Yeah. Now, when we covered the bodyguard, I had made mention that I thought that this mansion that the Big Lebowski has was the mansion that was used in the bodyguard. I didn't find anything on that, but I did find a list of movies that this mansion has been used in. This mansion is called Greystone Mansion. Okay. Here's a list of the films that it was used in. The Muppets. The Prestige. Mm. Rush Hour. The Social Network, The Dirty Dozen, wow, and in a little music video you may have heard of by an artist named Meatloaf. I'd do anything for love, but I won't do that. Really? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. I thought that was really cool. I would do anything for love. I'll run right into hell and back. Who doesn't love that song? Right. Who doesn't love that song? Come on. Now, I'm sure that this mansion has been used in tons of other movies. Sure. Uh, I, again, I'm not going down that rabbit hole to right. try and figure that out, but that's just a sampling <laughs> right there. What do you think of the bowling alley? Dude, I mean, it's one of the, the main backdrops, right? Kind I of mean, a character it, itself, huh? It is, yeah. I mean, they, they do a good job introducing that character. They, oh, yeah. yeah. You don't think of it as a bowling film. No. It could but fall it, under the sport of bowling. It really could. I mean, really. This is a sports film. Maybe that's why I didn't Hey, it. there you go. <laughs> <laughs> this bowling alley was an actual real working, functioning bowling alley okay. in Los Angeles. Unfortunately, it was torn down in 2003. What? Yes, I know. It was torn down to make way for an elementary school. Oh. <laughs> Please tell me. That it was the little Lebowski. Oh, that would be so funny. The little the little Lebowski Elementary School. That'd be hilarious. Fun fact about bowling in this film, also, you never see the dude bowl. Ever. In this film. That's true. He never bowls in this film. As much bowling as they do, he never actually bowls in the film. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and one of the last notes that I have that I was going to share with you here, they actually created a thing called Lebowski Fest in 2002. Okay. It's a festival. People gather and they wear their dude sweaters and cardigans and they drink a ton of white Russians and they bowl and they show the film and occasionally Mr. Jeff Bridges or Mr. John Goodman or even Mr. Steve Buscemi would show up and uh, make an appearance. Nice. Any guess where that is located? Probably LA. Nope. Louisville, Kentucky. Are you being serious? I'm dead serious. No. I am dead serious. I don't know if it's still functioning now. I don't know if they do still they do, do it. Do they do it in a bowling alley? I don't think it's a bowling alley. Funny thing about it, if you drive on the bypass around Louisville and you pass Kentucky Kingdom in Louisville, okay. it's near that, and there's a big banner on the side of the of the building that says Lebowski Fest. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Over near the In-N-Out Burger. No, I'm <laughs> 
<laughs> Did you notice in the film the scenes where shit goes sideways quick, but they still follow through with the plans that they were going to do anyway? Yes. Yes. For example, you mentioned In and Out Burger. They talk Dude. about going and bracing this kid, figuring out where the money is. They beat the living shit out of the Porsche. He comes out, beats the hell out of the dude's car, but yet they still go to In-N-Out Burger yes. after all that happens. Yes. <laughs> the scene where Walter pulls the handgun on Smokey in the bowling alley, right? Dude. Because his foot <laughs> yep. went over the line. Yep. And he wants him to mark it zero. They still finish the game. And the cops don't show up until so well after, after the game yeah, after is the done. Game. Yep. The, and like and the whole time they have that dialogue. Like, <laughs> gosh, calmer New York. <laughs> I, I will say the absurdity of some of the scenes that are hilarious. Yeah. Because it's like you have, you have this dynamic, and then you're throwing in a third person that's bringing out the right. the absurd. But it freaking works, man. Yeah, it freaking works. You don't feel like it was too overbearing for no. the story. It, it works with the characters because these characters are just kind of unhinged a little. It just, it's, it's, and I mean, especially now with the line of work I'm in, dealing with clients and, and people all day, <laughs> it's pretty accurate. People are unhinged, like just normal everyday people. That's uh, funny. But <laughs> yeah, man. All right. So you felt like the soundtrack was good. Casting was top notch. Story's really good. Writing's really good. There's one last thing I want to talk about before we get to your ranking. Okay. Let's talk about the word fuck. <laughs> we love the word fuck on this really, show. I don't know what you're talking about. I think you know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> you had your uh, little coming out party little, uh, a few years back. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to take a guess at how many times the word fuck is used in this script? The word fuck and then derivatives of the word fuck. No, I don't want to take a guess, because it's a lot. Well, it's not as many as you think it would be. Really? 206 times it is used in this film, which makes it one of the all-time movies to have the most profanity used in it. It's like top five. So it definitely earned its R rating. It definitely earned the R rating just from the <laughs> just use from of the, the word use fuck. the language. Yeah. Interesting. And so much to the fact that when aired on TV, they had to get really creative with doing uh, edits for it. Oh, I bet. And one of the funniest ones that I found, you're going to appreciate this. Remember the scene when John Goodman is going to town with the crowbar on the Porsche <laughs> and he's saying that line. Do you see what happens, Larry, when you fuck a stranger in the ass? <laughs> well, if you watch this on TV, the edit is, do you see what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps? <laughs> When you find a stranger in the Alps. <laughs> this is what happens, Larry. This is what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps. <laughs> oh, man. I thought that was hilarious. That is hilarious. I thought that was really funny. When you find us, <laughs> when you find a stranger in the Alps. Well, I mean, because I thought it was interesting because we've talked about censoring stuff yeah. before on season one when we covered Smokey and the Bandit. We talked about how instead of saying "some bitch" was... on TV, they say "scumbum." Scumbum. Yeah. 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 Which I misnamed our episode "Scumbucket." <laughs> right. Whatever. Yeah. But scumbum. still, yeah, close scumbum. enough. I just thought that was pretty funny to hear that. When you find you a see stranger. what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps. I feel like that needs to be a t-shirt. Oh my god, the best. <laughs> With John Goodman all covered up in like a jacket, hiking in the Alps, it'd be hilarious. He's got a crowbar hanging crowbar. off his backpack. 
gosh. He's got a Porsche off-road vehicle that he rode up there. <laughs> oh, man. Um, do you have any notes over there that we haven't covered? I really don't. You don't? I will say that I don't think I even realized the layers of sound bites that you have used right. from this film. <laughs> right. I've used quite a few. You know, obviously the homework, I had no bearing for that. Right. I knew it came from this movie. Is this your homework, Larry? Yep. The, obviously, you know, I'm the dude, that's what you yeah, call me. Obviously like, oh. the soundbite that we've used on here to rank fives. Yeah. Uh, did you catch any other ones that I've used? Yeah. It's one little quick line that Walter says. He's cracking. He's cracking. Yeah, he's cracking. <laughs> I've used that a number of times. Yeah, that's one. Yeah, man, it's just... For me, watching this film now, right at this stage in the game for us, Yeah. five years... <laughs> don't, don't remind me. Do not remind me. Five years, bro. <laughs> yeah. We've put out a lot of stuff. We've, we've released a lot of fives. I obviously didn't realize it. The DNA of our show is very much the DNA of this film in a lot of ways. Yep, I agree. Hell, even the life gets in the way thing that we talk about all the time, if yeah. you really think about it. Because well, yeah. we're just two regular guys. We're just that, trying to that, live our lives, and yeah. then life just keeps and, interjecting itself. And yeah, we try to like just do this podcasting <laughs> thing. And it's just even... I don't know. The levels and the layers of, of reality right. for our show in this is, is kind of trippy, That's honestly. Funny. So... <laughs> Well, I think we've covered quite a bit. Yeah. I think there's only one uh, order of business that we need to get to right now. I think we need to get to your ranking. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. I don't know if I can handle the truth, Jim. I have an idea, I think, where we might be going with this, but lay it on me, man. Well, What's your ranking? So I've been thinking a lot about the ranking, even before we watched this film. Yeah. Because I'm like, people listening are going to say, okay, he's obviously going to give it a five because it's a five, right? Like it's on our scale. But I was like, my fear was like, what if it isn't a five for me? (laughs) Like how ironic. Yeah. How ironic would it be that you scored our five something lower than that? Will this be the beginning of the end of dude? What? Like, you know, (laughs) (laughs) the unraveling begins here. Not only has he been lying to me for five years, but you know, he doesn't know what good movies are either. Yeah. Like he doesn't, (laughs) he has his own rankings now. Like what the hell is he doing? Like, (laughs) So I kind of was like, man, I hope this movie is as good as as it's made out as to what be. we've established on the show that right. it is. You yeah. know, I'm gonna have to tell you, man. Yeah, it's worthy of the five spot. Are you saying that you're giving the Big Lebowski a Big Lebowski? <laughs> I am. I'm the dude. So that's what you call me. You know. Uh... Well, thank God, <laughs> I don't have to bury you out in my yard. I'll tell you though, like for me, I mean, it's it's the top ranking now yeah, for sure, but it, it's. From a storytelling standpoint, and the depth of character development, and I mean, even from a cinematic standpoint, they the shots they nailed everything. Like they yeah. had a lot of really good, right, right. just the film side of it. Yeah, we didn't even talk about that, but like yeah, the I, actual mechanics of film. <clears throat> yeah, we didn't get into it, but I really feel like it created a tone. I know for me personally, when I watch it, it created a vibe that I wanted to be in that space. I wanted to be in it. Yeah, because there, like there was so much about it that you're just like. I just want to be there. I want to be there in the middle of all this craziness because it it looks and feels and has a vibe of like just a normal life, but with a lot of weird stuff happening. Right. That's manageable to a degree. Right. Yeah. It looks fun. I mean, I want to go bowling all the time. (laughs) (laughs) After watching it from a storytelling element and everything else, I'm not going to put it up with Godfather, but it it's up there. It's definitely it, it creeps it's not up just there. a five. It's a high five, like well, you know. So, I mean, and it's kind of weird talking about it because it, we use that as a standard for our right. ranking. But I can say in, with one hundred percent satisfaction and agreement with you 
when you give something a five, now I have a full context. Gotcha. Yeah. For that, I and, can understand. I can agree with you on that. Yeah, I can understand the thought process of creeping towards elite status. Hell, with me, the more I watch it, I won't say there's more that I discover, as I think I've pretty well discovered everything that you can from the amount of times that I've watched it. But I will say that the more that I watch it, there is a deeper appreciation for everything that went into the film. So I can understand how, like, even after a one-time viewing, you could be even thinking about creeping up towards that area because it is written so goddamn well. Yeah. And so I personally understand it. There's some other people that don't understand it. And, uh, you know, that might actually be a good segue right here. Since you scored it a five, means you're not going to give any movie suggestions, but we should probably see how the world feels about it. Jim takes on the world. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. May God have mercy on your soul. IMDB, easy for me to say. What a douche. Two thumbs up. Usually I'm taking on the world here. I think it's time for you to take on the world here. All right. This should be interesting. It will be interesting. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> 1001 movies you must see before you die. Yes. This is not in that. <laughs> okay. I don't understand. And how do you feel about that? I don't understand either. Yeah. This is one of those films that warrants being in there, I believe. Just from a writing standpoint, I think. Yeah, and I mean, it, it's We're, and he, they, they have some cult films and stuff, cult classics and stuff like that in the 1001 movies, you know. And I think this would, you know, from a fair standpoint, would fall under cult classic because it didn't do good commercially. Sure. But it, it did it, develop it a, a following huge yeah. following yeah. after the fact. Uh, I mean, very, for it, God's sakes, it's developed like a, a way of religion. Yeah. I'm not even joking about that. That's It's like developed its own doctrine of religion, uh, like philosophy. It's studied just from the, the different uh, portions of the film within its writing. I mean, it's taken on a life of its own well after its initial release. So for it to not be in there for me, is like a goddamn crime, if you ask me. Like as we talked about earlier, the scratch-off poster we yeah. have, the 100 must-see cult movies, it's the top first one. The very know? first one that's um, on the on the poster, yeah. Yeah, for sure. so it, it, that, that's interesting. But we've determined, though, that the author didn't know what they're talking about. So. <laughs> we've had a lot of fun at their expense, for sure. <laughs> IMDb yeah. scored this an 8.1. What do you think about that? <laughs> I could see why. I, I could see why. Okay. If you are going into it from a, I want to be entertained, as in a... Laugh fest? <laughs> you're, you're, uh, as a mainstream yeah. t- form of entertainment. Gotcha. I could see why people would score it lower. Okay. You can because understand. that's the audience. So I'll, I'll, give, yeah. I'll give them that. You'll give that one. I don't okay. think it... I think it should be higher, obviously, but I okay. also understand why. Okay, well, let's talk about the meta then. Uh-huh. <laughs> the meta score scored at a 71. What? <laughs> yes, 71. I was shocked. I the saw Metacritic. That. The Metacritic scored at a 71. Are you, okay, I know you don't do this section. I usually, usually. don't do this section, no. Are you but looking at I looked the at... box that says Metacritic? Yep. Metascore? Yep. 71? 71. I was shocked when I saw that. Who the fuck is the Metacritic? I, that, We've got to stop using them, man. I, I'm telling you. What? Look, it makes great fodder for this segment, you know, especially whenever I'm doing it, because I typically lose my shit it, at it this just, point. But, but, no, but it doesn't, no, it doesn't make sense. I'll give the audience the 8.1. Right. Okay? That makes sense. Right. 71? Yes. 71%. 
I look, I, I, I'm looking at the scores right now. It's not going to be any better <laughs> here in a minute. So the tomato meter. Yeah. 83%. That's the, what, I that, forgot. Yeah. That's the tomato meter. 83%. You want to know what the audience scored it? I mean, 83 is better than the 71. But <laughs> not still. much. Audience scored at 93%. What the fuck? I know. <laughs> What? I know, like, that's what, what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. These numbers. Who, these, whose idea was it to do this segment? This, no. These numbers. <laughs> yeah, I, I believe it was yours, Jim. It was. But I like it. I like doing it. No, it, it, the numbers are, are weird. They're weird. It's weird how the audience on one site would score it lower in our eyes. Right. But then on another site, score it higher. And to me, honestly, 93% is still a touch low for me, for the audience. Sure. Uh, just a touch. I'm yeah. thinking like maybe 95. That's just me. But do you understand? Will you give the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes at the ninety three? I I'm I'm you're fine with like, that. You know, with IMDb, it's eight point one out of ten. So like, yeah. a ninety three is better, right? It's, and it it tells me that people on Rotten Tomatoes like they appreciated know, it more. Yeah, they have yeah. more of an appreciation. Gotcha. Maybe they felt like an eight point one or lower. Right. Their first viewing. Yeah. But after watching it a few times, you know, but yeah. I still don't. The, the 83 is the 83 and the 71 is it's just still just like, no, yeah. the tomato meter should at least be at, at the bare minimum a 91 at the bare minimum. I agree. I, it should be higher. Yes. But I'm saying, OK, you got a whole new world of critics. Yes. As opposed to yeah. the, the original. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. 91 is more favorable and uh, acceptable in my eyes. 83 just doesn't make sense. And the 71 is 71, just... they can go suck a dick. <laughs> That's marvelous. Man, I don't care. Like, <laughs> for $1,000? No, no money. You no do money not, just for... Do not collect $200. Yeah, just you directly... Uh, yeah, just... Yeah. Well, do you want to hear what Ebert had to say about oh, this? Oh, gosh. You want to make a prediction what Ebert had to say? He gave it... Three and a half stars. Well, you were wrong. You gave it four stars. Okay. <laughs> All right. Here's what he had to say. Big Lebowski is about an attitude, not a story. It's easy to miss that because the story is so urgently pursued. It involves kidnapping, ransom money, a porno king, a reclusive millionaire, a runaway girl, the Malibu police, a woman who paints while nude and strapped to an overhead harness. And the last act of the disagreement between Vietnam veterans and flower power it is more scenes about bowling than anything else. This is a plot and dialogue that perhaps only the Coen brothers could have devised. And that's how he starts off. Okay. Okay. Only a steady hand in the midst of madness allows them to hold it all together. That and the delirious richness of their visual approach, mm. which I agree with that. I mean, yeah. they're really good at the visual aspects of adding to the story. He goes on, obviously, talks about it, talks about the plot, talks about all kinds of different aspects, talks about characters and whatnot. It's a, it's a Roger Ebert review. Sure. And we'll link to that. He talks about basically all the woes that he's gone through. Like we talked about, just caught up in the middle of all this stuff, and he's just a random guy, right? And he, he finishes off, kind of says, to heal and keep himself whole, he stirs himself another white Russian, has a toke, sits in a warm bath. Like the Buddha, he focuses on the big picture. Does this depress him? Is he concerned about being chronically unemployed? No. If a man has a roof over his head, fresh half and half for his white Russians, a little weed and his bowling buddies, what more really does he need? And I feel like that kind of encompasses, you know, the overall vibe of, of the story. You know, he, he's a simple man. You know, he even has that line when he's drugged by Jackie Treehorn. All the dude ever wanted was his rug back. 
I agree. And so, uh, what do you think about that breakdown? I agree. I mean, with him giving it four, like you know, you you always. Going into his reviews, it's always kind of a okay. Is it going to be the backhanded review, or is this going to be like just a yeah? It's this is good. Yeah, he's right with the visual, and I think that's kind of what I was trying to get at earlier with the way visually they they add a depth of field to it. They, there's a richness and a realness about their shots. Yeah, I agree. Because uh, even the way they layer in the characters and stuff and the, the dynamic there, there's a lot that can be learned from this film. As a film student, I mean. If they're not showing this in film school, then you need to get a new professor. They're missing like, out. They, they I really think they're are. missing out. Yeah. They really are. Yeah. It's it's a um, a more modern. I mean, I know it's been around for a bit, but a, a no. More I, modern I, film. I get what you're saying, though. You know yeah. what I mean? More more this generation way of storytelling. Yes. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely worthy of watching. It's definitely worthy of having on your shelf. And I'm I'm interested to watch it again at some point. I'm, I think we should do a dude director's cut now or on it. You know? Oh, absolutely. Um, oh, yeah. Well, that's definitely going to be on the dockets. I think know, it'll be a lot of fun, and uh, it'll it'll be fun to go through and point out all the little nuances and stuff because I have like a thesis written on this thing. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So cool deal. No movie suggestions, just fives all day for the Big Lebowski. Had a lot of fun doing that. Turning the tables. This was fun. This was interesting. This little dynamic, you know, me taking over the back half when you're usually in charge and you taking over the front half and leading the show. It's This is going to be fun to go back and do the edit on (laughs) See how it sounds. (laughs) I hope you guys have enjoyed it as well. We got to get ready for the next episode. Let's go back to normal, Jim. Let's get things back to how we normally do things here on the show. And the way that we do that is I give you, Jim... Not me, you. I give you the categories. Jim's going to get three new categories right now. We're going to narrow it down to one, and then I'll give him three movie suggestions. Possibilities could be three that I haven't seen. It could be two that I haven't seen, but we're only going to reveal one, Jim, on the next episode of the Dude What Movie Review Podcast. One for sure that I've never seen that I God, I definitely should have already seen. (laughs) So are you ready for your new categories? I am. All right, here we go. First up, the 1960s. These are films that were released during the decade of the 1960s. All right. Next, R-rated comedies. These are comedies that have a bit of an edge to them. Okay. We're looking at language, adult situations, debauchery. Who knows? But they're R-rated for a reason. And we'll find out if you choose that. And the last one, action adventure. Hmm. Yeah. So, I'll read those again. 1960s, R-rated comedies, or action-adventure. Make your selection, sir. You know what? Yeah. I'm going to be straight-up selfish. Okay. Since this was the episode of Turning the Tables. Oh, it might. Go it for about it. me. I'm yeah. just going to be selfish. I like and it. I'm going to choose action-adventure. Action-adventure. I like it. I like it, man. This is awesome. Cool deal. All right. Are you ready for your selections from the action-adventure Category. I don't know, Brian, am I? I don't <laughs> think you are. I really don't think oh you are. Boy. Looking at what I have on this list, no, you're not ready. Okay. All right. First up from the action-adventure category, National Treasure. How'd that one feel? Mm. Hmm? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Next, Face Off. Okay. You all right? Are these action-adventure or are these uh, Nicolas Cage? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And your last one, Raiders of the Lost Ark. What? No. (laughs) I'll read those again. Action Adventure, National Treasure, Face Off, or Raiders of the Lost Ark. Wow. Yeah. Okay. One of which 
we are going to cover on the next episode of the Dude What Movie Review Podcast. Like I said, it could be two, it could be three. We just don't know, Jim. And the reason why we don't know is because I'm not telling you. <laughs> Until I open the box. Until you open the box and you find out which one it is that we're going to cover. Because we only cover one, Jim. We just cover one. Until, you know, somewhere down the line, someone will probably abduct me, tie me up, and waterboard me to try and <laughs> get, get your full list. Get, get the full list from me. And then they'll probably just kill me after that. I was like, why did we waste our time waterboarding? We should have just killed him because this is ridiculous this and is pathetic. Silly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we want to thank you guys for tuning into the show this week. We really appreciate it. Turn the tables on me and on Jim. We had a lot of fun. Jim took control of the show. He got to pick the movie. We had a lot of fun. Big Lebowski, baby. I was <laughs> utterly shocked. I cannot believe it. Utterly shocked. But the back half Turned it all around. Jim likes the movie, and we're going to do a dude director's cut down the road. Uh, hopefully, we'll try and get that out real soon, actually. That'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. Sit down and rewatch it and and uh, put that out on the feed. I think you guys will enjoy that. Check everything out that is Dude What related at dudewhatpod.com. You can find our blogs on there. You can find our written reviews. And speaking of which, Jim is going to link to my written review for The Big Lebowski. I have written reviews for each movie that represents a different ranking on our show. So you got The Big Lebowski on there, you got Tropic Thunder on there, Along Came Polly, Back to the Future Part 3, Dude Where's My Car. I didn't do one for Super Troopers because yeah. why waste my time? Because <laughs> Dude where, Where's My Car was the original. Dude, yeah, Dude Where's My Car was the original one. That got replaced by uh, Super Troopers, and I'm not even going to waste my time on that, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I will. Well, go Probably. ahead and just drop a little fun fact for you. I've never seen Dude Where's My Car either, but I had no desire to. You're not missing anything. Yeah, All right. No, it's that's, that's, uh, it's yeah. a horrible, horrible movie. Yeah, I wouldn't subject you or the listeners to that. So, <laughs> But yeah, Jim's going to link to the written review for The Big Lebowski, so you can check that on there. And check out all the other reviews. You've got the written reviews for the Cherry Pop and Daddy's Greatest Hits album. And we're going to have links in the show notes for this episode at the bottom for Cherry Pop and Daddy's. And Amazon links... So, like, if you haven't seen the movie for whatever reason, you know, like, you know, Jim said before, click that link, get Amazon, get on there. You can support us that way. You can get your movies on there. You can get posters. You can get linens. You can get board games. You can get crackers. You can get candy. You can get anything at Amazon. They own the world. They have the world. Yeah. So if you need anything in the world, Amazon has it. Just go through our That's links. True. That's and all spe we ask. Just Speaking of in the world, because yeah. I knew to know that we have some global listeners. Oh, uh, We have a few out there. Nice. Uh, and if they happen to have an Amazon store, they can also click on those links, and it should take them to their Amazon store. Nice. There's I dig that it. option, too. Cool. So. And we're going global with this, man. We are. We are. We we're, are. All, we're jet setting around the world, man. I don't know about that, but yeah. we're working on that. We're yeah, getting there. Working on it. <laughs> <laughs> we want you guys to get some of your friends to check out the show, get them to follow the show, tackle them to the ground, take their phone from them, follow us. And while you're there, go ahead and leave a five-star review. You know you want to do it, man. Five stars, man, baby. We're just two guys looking for five-star reviews. All right? We would love to get some more five-star reviews in there and bring that segment back, and we can talk about it and read those on air. That'd be a lot of fun. You can email us whenever you're in the show notes at the bottom of the show page. Hey, you guys, at dowhatpod.com. It's really easy. It's kind of all right there together. Jim's made it super easy for you to not only support us, but contact us as well. You get all your info right there in the show notes. It's good stuff right there. And then also get on social media. Follow us there, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Just search for at dowhatpod. Or do what podcast? Really, really, really simple. And by the way, when you're on Facebook, we have a little thing on there called All Access. All Access. I posted a video whenever we broke to watch the film 
on Facebook, and I think we reshared it into All Access. Yeah. It my, was originally meant for All Access. It was originally meant for All Access. You were so flustered. That- I, 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 I was. I was extremely <laughs> flustered. And uh, I, I posted it to the Dude What page, but then I think we shared it into All Access. I just... I. Uh, my immediate reactions after opening the box that wasn't recorded, that was behind the scenes, <laughs> and you can see how much I hate Jim in that moment. And so I definitely think you should get on there and check it out. But get into All Access as well, because then you get fun behind-the-scenes stuff like that down the road as well, and you get the shape to show. It's a lot of fun. So with all that being said, I think I'm ready to get out of here. Jim, this has been fun. I was very angry with you. I'm still a little... You know what? I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Yeah. How about that? Okay. That's a a very dad line right there. I'm going to treat you like one of my... I'm not mad at you. I'm just disappointed in your life decisions up to this point. It's very fair. (laughs) It's firm but fair. Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) All right, we're going to go ahead and get on out of here. I got nothing else, Jim. You got nothing else? Nothing else. All right, we're going to roll out of here. We will see you guys in two weeks whenever we do Action Adventure be a lot of fun we'll put things back to normal i'll take care of the show and jim can be over there interviewing me while i'm in the hot seat it'll be it'll be a lot of fun we'll go back to doing like we normally do it'll be a lot of fun so we'll see you guys in two weeks for action adventure it's gonna be so much fun we'll see you guys bye guys So we made mention earlier in the back half of the episode how Jim is kind of like how the dude was in the limo with the Big Lebowski, just fumbling over his words and trying to figure out and process what he wants to say. What you're about to hear is just a prime example of some of that verbal processing that gets edited down during the editing process. I think you'll enjoy Let's talk this. About the rest of the casting, yeah. All right. Uh, were there any characters that you really love from a, like a casting standpoint, and then also from a character standpoint? I mean, Steve Buscemi, man, he is right. He, he is. Um, he's such a good like. He's just everything he's in. Right. His little side character stuff that he does. Uh, the he, he's good. It's he, always he's a good. Um, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was trying to think how it was because it's not a secondary. I mean, he's a secondary character, yeah. but he's. Trying to think of actual a character actor, I guess, right? Yeah. No. Here, do that again. Is that what it's called? A character actor? He's a character actor, yeah. Okay. What in God's holy name are you blathering about? <laughs>